Hey, since we're talking about money here, we just want to add this little note that no one on this podcast is a financial advisor and all information presented on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership skills for teens and their parents. I'm Jenna. And I'm Rachel. And today we're going to be talking about a hot topic in the news lately, cryptocurrency. And so we have a special guest joining us today, Mr. Keith Murphy, a.k.a. Dad. (laughs) Some of you may know that Keith has been following and studying crypto for many years, and he actually just started his own podcast this fall called Generational Wealth with Cryptocurrency. So, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, why are we talking about this on the Life and Leadership podcast for teens and their parents? What does that have to do with cryptocurrency? Well, I believe that cryptocurrency is going to become a a major part of our lives moving forward. It's been around in its current form for more than 10 years at this point. So, it's not going anywhere and it's only going to become more integrated into our life and we need to at least understand what's going on. So I feel like a lot of parents, older generation, are afraid of cryptocurrency and their, their solution to that fear is to just avoid it right. and kind of bury their heads in the sand and pretend like they can just keep going on. Yeah, the way they're going now. And that's a typical adoption pattern for new technology, which is really what this is, right? So if we think about the internet in general, when Facebook came around, you know, the grandparents weren't getting on Facebook. It was first, it was the college kids, actually. It was created at the Harvard, if I'm not mistaken, and spread through the college kids and then the younger generation, so to speak. We see the same thing with crypto. The largest segment is, I believe, like the 20 to 30 year olds, somewhere around that age. Um, Certainly a lot of the younger people, younger than 20, know about it and are involved in it. One of the people that I actually follow, he's 21 years old. He got involved, which means he's a lot younger than I am. Right. So we we have a child that's older than he. He got involved when he was 17. He was in high school. And, you know, he doesn't talk about how much money that he's got, but he's doing okay. So, so Jenna, what do you know about cryptocurrency? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I know that a lot of teenagers actually know a fair amount right. about crypto because I'm on these parenting groups on Facebook and they talk about their kids buying crypto. Where are those kids getting their information? Are they just getting them from, from each other? Are they just buying right. it because it's hot? Um, are any of them really doing any research? That's a good question. I I would have to say probably most of them are not doing research, which is unfortunate. But, and we'll probably talk about this later some, but one of the hot things in crypto right now is, we have other words for it, but we call, they're called meme coins. Like, um, they started with Dogecoin, right? And Shiba Inu and Floki, I knew, or however you say it, I'm probably butchering all these names, but regardless, those are meme coins. They're, they're, they're just trends and there's not a whole lot behind them necessarily. So why was it invented? Why was crypto invented? That's a great question. For one thing, I, I do want to separate 
Um, and this mistake is made a lot. People think that crypto started with Bitcoin. That's not really true. What I would call modern crypto started with Bitcoin. Crypto has been around since I remember they were talking about it and working on it in the 90s, certainly, if not the late 80s. Crypto is simply cryptocurrency. It's a digital form of, of currency. And it was invented, for one thing, as currency. So I wouldn't want to be able to buy something with a digital form of crypto or a digital form of currency rather than giving you dollar bills. So it's kind of like Venmo. It, well, right. So it exactly. So in fact, for, as an example, there's an app called Strike, which I can hook up to my bank account and I can send money uh, in Bitcoin to somebody instantly, effectively, without, with well, there are fees, but they're very, very, very minimal. So maybe I send somebody 200 bucks and it costs a, a quarter of a cent. I mean, it's ridiculous how little the fees actually are in that system. So the difference between crypto and Venmo is Venmo is just to buy things. Crypto, you could actually build wealth like stock. Uh, you true? could certainly look at it that way, yes. And so it's right. So crypto really is far beyond just currency. It was designed to be to operate in what they call a peer-to-peer -peer manner, meaning me to you, not me to an intermediary to somebody else. Does like that make bank. sense? Like a bank, exactly. And it was one of the things, and the guy's uh, pseudonymous, I think is the word, um, named Satoshi Nakamoto. And there's actually been people who've claimed to be him. I'm fairly certain it's been proven that that's not really true. Um, but regardless, this person was involved in the project or people, it could be a group of people. This uh, and disappeared after like three. Actually said, "I'm leaving" or whatever, and just it's gone. It's very mis It is mysterious, and it leads to the mystique of Bitcoin in general. Uh, I'm kind of fascinated by it, to be honest. I doubt we will ever really know at this point who they were. Um, but it was invented to be a peer-to-peer -peer system, so we can uh, disintermediate organizations like the banks. To be honest. And it's also designed to be censorship resistant uh, as, a, as a store of wealth, like gold. People buy gold, right? That's one of the reasons why people buy gold. They're, but you, you don't have to carry it around. Right. That's the difference between this it, and Well, gold. and that's a very big difference, right? Gold, as expensive as it is, if you have a lot of gold, it's very heavy, right? Well, if you're in, involved in a natural disaster or your house burns down... Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about all your right wealth. You're correct, yes. So that's certainly one of the benefits, yes. So it's branched out far beyond Bitcoin. We're, we're only going to have time to talk about a few of them, I'm sure. But uh, you could say that Bitcoin was the the genesis of modern cryptogra uh, cryptocurrency. How do we decide which crypto companies to invest in? How do we decide which crypto uh Cryptocurrencies to invest in? Yeah, because you said there's a lot of meme coins right. and there's lots there's lots of different cryptocurrencies. Right. You ladies are sitting down. There's over 4,000 cryptocurrencies. Right. It's an astonishing number. And the reality is the vast majority of them, they never become significant. And there's reasons behind that that will it'll take far longer than this podcast to explain. But 
there are some that have done very well. Bitcoin, as I already mentioned, it has a market cap right now somewhere around, um, I should know this number, a trillion dollars. Okay, so one trillion US dollars uh, is roughly what all the Bitcoin in the world right now is worth. Uh, the second one is a coin called Ethereum, which was created. So Bitcoin was created in 2009. The first Bitcoin was mined. Ethereum was created in um, 2015, so much more recent. And uh, it's got a market cap of around point. Uh, around half a trillion, 0.6 uh, trillion, something like that, or six, 600 billion, I guess that would be, uh, some, somewhere around there. So, and, and then going down from there, you know, there's, there's coins that have very, very little market share, and they're just kind of around and whatever. So it's just like they start as a joke or whatever a lot of times. Literally, some of them are, yes. And Dogecoin actually so did start as a joke. All jump on the bandwagon. Why? To be... Just because everybody else is doing it? Why does everybody buy Who knows? I, I, there are some very clear-cut cases. Bitcoin, there's a white paper, uh, and it's only nine pages. If you're a serious investor, you should read some of these white papers of these coins. It's a very easy read. Um, there, are, there definitely are some technical things going on in there, but it's not like the average person could understand it if they wanted to. They had a purpose when they were created. Ethereum, same way. Um, and Ethereum has slightly different purpose than Bitcoin. Yes, it's a currency. Um, Ethereum was built with something called smart contracts in mind, and smart contracts are, um, again, it's kind of this whole idea of disintermediation um, or decentralization. So smart contracts are a way that if Jenna and I we want to agree on something, we can actually program that on a smart contract. And the the blockchain, which is the foundation of one of these currencies, actually handles that and enforces it. So it gives us a way to do something. <clears throat> they have a term called trustless, meaning without trust. And we can, I can make a contract with her and have it executed um, without us knowing each other. You mean like buying a house or something? Yes, or? literally, you could do that. If I'm understanding this correctly, okay, some currencies were designed with a purpose in mind, mm -hmm. and there's only a set amount of them that's ever going to be made, like Bitcoin, R Ethereum. Bitcoin, that is certainly the case. Um, Bitcoin, they capped it at $21 million, and they did that on uh, as a as a hedge against inflation. Right. Ethereum the same way. Ethereum yes. is not exactly so. Ethereum does actually take burn, a different tack. They burn exactly. Off, so right. the coin keeps getting minted, uh, but we have they've started quote burning it, so they're actually getting rid of some of it. It's going away, and over time, it will actually become deflationary. Not it won't cap. It will actually go down. Right. So they burn it off like. Uh, through transaction fees, like mm -hmm. when you trade on. You've been listening to my podcast, haven't you? Yes, and I think you need a some intro music there. I do. You're, <laughs> you are absolutely it's awkward. That is on my that's story. on my list of things to do. I need a website, and I do need some intro music. Um, You're correct. So, these other coins uh, have no cap, no right. real plan. They're right. just out there. They're just out there, and people all decide, let's do this, and then. 
it's they're kind of like flash in the pan. That's a good way of putting it. Um, so I've been involved in the market for a long time. Uh, I bought my first Bitcoin back in 2014 when the price was, I think, around $400. Um, so and it's, it's now worth... Well, if I had it, it would be worth roughly $65,000. Right. Okay. Jenna's jaw just dropped. <laughs> yeah. He sold that one. I sold that one. <laughs> Right. But we have market cycles. You see this in the stock market. We have market cycles in crypto. And they actually t have been lining up to something in Bitcoin called the halving. And we're not going to go into that. But you see this bull, in, uh, meaning like a good run. And you see bear cycles, which is the reverse of that. About every four years. Um, the last bull market... Uh, was in 2017 and I was heavily involved at that point and I was I was trading crypto we went up to uh, Bitcoin hit $20,000 at the top and then it dropped and I had some Bitcoin I had some Ethereum uh, I had some other things I actually had Dogecoin Dogecoin has been around for a long time and it regardless at the time it was doing good I had a little small bag of it not a whole lot and the the top went and within six months, less than six months, I mean, it cratered. It went way down. And I talk about that on my podcast. Um, it's a normal cycle. It is a normal cycle. And I should have, uh, there's things I should have done during that downturn that if I would have done, we would have been in a, in a much better place. So the, so the... The difference between the cycling of Bitcoin and the stock market is there is no way to control inflation of the U.S. dollar. Right? That's completely at the whim of the, uh, what is it called, the Federal Reserve? Right. Yes. And it's just whatever they feel. It's like whatever they wake up that morning really... and decide. I mean, honestly, that's that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I mean, really. The, I mean, they're their own entity. Like, yes. there's no one policing these people. Really. Um that's well essentially yes that's correct okay so in my opinion so if you hold dollars you're going to have inflation you right we, we even see if it's in the stock market we see right now well it, it honestly inflation is good for the stock market right so right now we see the stock market it's at an all-time high literally right now right Okay, as crazy as everything is right now, the stock market is an all-time high. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that. That is actually because of inflation. Okay. Well, I feel like the stock market has kind of come unhinged from reality. reality. That is, is true. Is that why these coins were invented? No. No. No, not really. Um, they were not. They were not. In, Bitcoin specifically was not invented as a response to the stock market. It was invented as uh, really as a direct response to the 2008 uh, crash. Which yes, that was the stock market, but it was really the entire economy in general. Okay. It was so yes. You I you're correct. You could say it was invented as a response to the stock market, but. Not directly, if that makes sense. Uh, Satoshi had has talked about that quite a bit. It was a response to 2008. So the events that you know we remember certainly Jenna doesn't, but 
We remember. When you say, he, he's such a mystery to me, Satoshi. Mm-hmm. Do we know that the person is Japanese? Mm-mm. We don't um, know anything concrete. So when you say he said things, how would he say things? Would he... On, they, like... Like a... He's got his own, like... No, he... Website. They had... <laughs> I so I, I was not involved in, certainly, in Bitcoin in 2009. I feel so... Very few people were. Secret agent. But it was like a forum. Okay. So they, they put like together a, a forum. Right, exactly. And he would log in and... Like, secretly, like... He, and he wrote, he, he wrote a lot of the Bitcoin code, certainly. I mean... The, everything at the start was his code and he was continually submitting code you know to that uh, but yeah he he wrote a lot on these forums these Bitcoin forums what are some of the disadvantages of it what are some of the disadvantages of crypto um, I always equate crypto to the wild wild west do you know what I mean by that so in the 1800s the late 1800s in America the western part of the United States. It was U.S. territory, but there was, um, you know, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on, right? Uh, you had land rushes going on, like the Oklahoma land rush, right? You had um, the gold rush out in California. You had mining in the uh, Nevada silver mine. Um, you had Indians, of course. You had Yes, you had laws, you had sheriffs, you had people like Wild Bill Hitchcock, Hitchcock whatever. He, he was a marshal, I think, but regardless, he was a law enforcement officer, you know. But there was a whole lot of crazy things going on as things were kind of figuring itself out. But at the same time, there was, even though there was a good chance your bank could get robbed, there was a good, and there was no FDIC back then. FDIC is an insurance program. So, like, if supposedly if our bank account became insolvent, our bank became insolvent, we would get money. It's Up like an insurance right. fund. Okay. So, anyways, if your bank got robbed in the old west, you were just out. Oh well, your money's gone. Sorry. To an extent, it's like that today. So, in 2014, right after I got involved in crypto. I remember this. Uh, Matt, there was a there was um, what they called an exchange, a cryptocurrency exchange called Mt. Gox, and it was, if not the earliest, it was one of the earliest what they call centralized exchanges. So it was a company put up a website. There you can buy and sell crypto on that site. They got hacked in 2014 and lost a ton of crypto. And just now, a lawsuit is getting settled to get that money back. I actually had an account on that exchange. And I don't remember, honestly, this is sad to say, but it's true. I don't remember if I lost anything or not. If I did, it wasn't the majority of what we had at the time. And um, I've even tried to pursue it because they have a claimant system, but it doesn't seem like I have anything in there. Regardless, that, I mean, it... But back to the point, it's, you know, it's risky. And I always say this, life is risky. Getting up in the morning is risky. Um, it's risky, but not Wild West risky. I mean, Well, like, it is in the sense that there's not, all would, the rules and regulations are not laid out. They're just right. not. This is actually something that, that the U.S. government is trying to figure out right now. The SEC, which is um, 
Securities and Exchange Commission is is actively working on this right now. And, you know, we have to decide how are we going to tax these things? How are they going to be regulated? Who are we going to allow the U.S. investor to be involved with? And there are places that they say, the U.S. government says, you can't go there and do that. And maybe that rubs people the wrong way. I, I think some regulation is good. I think we can very easily be overregulated at the same time. People, especially people in government, frankly, don't even understand how this is going to grow in the future. Right. Well, I, you know, I remember a couple months ago just seeing it on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to the, the newscaster, whatever you call the person, mm-hmm. speaking. And I would be like, they have no clue what they're right. talking about. And they were all very tell. negative. Mm-hmm. Even I, with my limited mm-hmm. amount of knowledge, knew more than they did. Right. Very negative, very, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe they're just scared. I don't know, are they afraid people might lose their money? Yeah. But I mean, you could, the good case to make would, they're worried about investors losing their money, but investors can lose their money in anything. And it, it kind of annoys me because. I can lose money. What if I own um, stock in Apple? Just, I mean, Apple's a trillion-dollar company. We're talking about a huge company. And Tim Cook gets fired from Apple for malfeasance, for robbing Apple of a, you know, a huge amount of money. Just as, and I'm completely making this up. So please, Apple, don't sue me. What do you think would happen to the stock? It would tank. Yeah. And it might never recover. And a lot of people. But you don't, it, that's just part of the, the game. So, And I'm doing air quotes here. That's just part of the game. A lot They're, of people have stock in one or two things, too. So the moral of the story is. Well, part so. of it is you need to, um, you know, you need to have it in multiple pots. Right. Okay. But let's talk about, for example, one of the safest investments that there is. I guess you could say there's two. I can go put money in my bank in a savings account. Or I can go buy bonds. Bonds, I promise you, are going down in value because of inflation. Right. <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all have money in the bank. I'm sure some of you do. Check out your savings rate. It's probably less than 1%. Jenny, you, <laughs> do you know what your savings rate is? I don't know. So when I was little... You put money in the bank and you actually got interest on it, and it was a decent amount. It probably was more than inflation. These days, you're just going backwards. But interest in that rates case. were higher back then, too. Uh, like, if the, you wanted to buy a house right. in the 70s, it was like 14%. Or so I think those two things work inversely, yes, they to do. be honest. They do. So, um, anyways, it's kind of like going back to the stock prices. House prices are so high because, in part, of cheap money, because money's getting printed. Uh, anyway, so why, how does this relate to teenagers? Why would a kid want to invest in something so risky? Right. And so I would argue that the time to do this is when you're younger, because and you should do it prudently, and we can talk about that. How, what are some things you can do to you know help your investments? But the time to take risk is not when you're 70 years old; it's when you're 20, because you have more time to recover. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you're not supporting, like, a family right. at 20. Right. So you you see this more as... So so a lot of people that are into crypto right now 
I feel like they're not in it for the long haul. No, they're just they're in not. it to day trade and make money. And You're I right. Think you were like that when you started out. Yes or no? If I remember, certainly to an extent that was true. Yes. Yeah, you were because because I remember having to go to the mm-hmm. accountant with a stack of paper because every time you make a transaction, right? It's a yeah. Taxable. I don't really want to get off. <laughs> but <laughs> but. The U.S. tax law, if you trade your coin, if you buy or sell it, that's a taxable event. And you have to keep track of that. And you have to pay capital gains on it. That is a reality of living in the United States. So if you were using... um, So let's talk about this. The Mm -hmm. unbanked, which Mm -hmm. is a big thing that you're excited about for crypto. Um, A lot of people in a lot of countries don't have access to banking. And if they're sending money back home... Say they live in a South American country. Right. Let's talk about a specific case because it's it's relevant. It's in the news or it has been lately. El Salvador. Right. I happen to know the stats on El Salvador. So earlier this year, um, El Salvador approved Bitcoin as a legal, what they call a legal tender, a legal currency. Businesses are actually required to accept it as a form of payment. In the, in the United States... I go into a uh, business, they are required to take a U.S. dollar bill. Right. It's legal tender. Um, And that's just a fancy word for currency. The reason why I believe, one of the primary motivations, well, there was a couple of things going on. First of all, El Salvador, their other form of currency is the U.S. dollar. And unlike the United States, when we print a trillion dollars and pass it out to a bunch of people... Theoretically, well, people do get benefit from that. They get a check, right? These stimulus checks that right. we've been doing for the in last few years. In it. our country, we don't send stimulus checks to El Salvador. Our, that forces interest to go up. The dollar becomes less value. And people like, there's like 60 countries, which I didn't know until recently, 60 or 70 countries that use the U.S. dollar right. as their form of currency. They're just getting the shaft on this. They're getting the lower value for the dollar and no benefit right so so they said well there's got to be a better way what about this bitcoin thing okay bitcoin is not attached to the u.s dollar certainly um and so they they made it a legal tender and they've done a number of things since then el salvador actually owns as a um sovereign reserve as a currency reserve 1120 Bitcoin at this point when were we record first, this podcast. Were they the first country to do First that? known country to do that. Is I'm not going to say they're the first country, but to my knowledge, they're the first ones to come out and say, we own Bitcoin. It's like the gold reserves. Now, I, I suspect China, I'm going really out on a limb here, but I suspect China actually owns Bitcoin as well. And maybe some other countries, but they're not announcing it. Right. Uh, El Salvador says, yep, we own Bitcoin. The president tweets it literally every time that they buy more coin. It's kind of funny. You can go into El Salvador and go to any taco shop or, um, you know, Starbucks or McDonald's or to the bank, and you can you can pay your stuff with Bitcoin. It's amazing. Is it just on your phone? No. Is it like a card? They, they typically would do this through a phone, yes. Like an app? Yes, an app on the phone. Now, here's to wrap this all up and make sure that we don't spend an hour talking about this topic because this is very important to me. The unbanked that Rachel mentioned, 
uh, rate and unbanked simply meaning people who don't have access to a bank account literally do not have access like in El Salvador most of the people do not live in the major population centers and there's not a bank in their town they have nowhere to save their money and that hampers their ability to get out of poverty really their unbanked rate is 70 percent right. it's staggeringly high and now but the rate of people who have a, a phone, a smartphone, is very high. With Bitcoin, now they have, they have access to essentially a store of value, right? They can save their money for a rainy day. And another item about El Salvador, oh, I'm probably not going to get this number quite right. The GDP, um, the gross domestic product, meaning all the money that's made in the country of El Salvador, roughly, I want to say 30% of it comes from what they call remittances. And what that means is money that comes in from outside the country. So in El Salvador's case, it's people who've left El Salvador in search of opportunity because El Salvador has struggled for a long time. They've got, They've had civil wars and all kinds of stuff going on. And so they're somewhere else and they're sending money back to El Salvador. And typically they've done this through something like Western Union, where you wire somebody money. The reality is with Western Union or one of these other companies, if you wire somebody $200, they're going to charge you like 20 bucks to do that. So it's literally like a tenth of that. It's crazy. Okay. And now with Strike, the app I was talking about earlier, they can send money to Bitcoin to somebody in El Salvador, press of a button, zero fees, essentially. Again, it's, it's just literally less than a penny, okay? And it is revolutionizing what, I mean, I think, well, you could argue, you very easily argue, El Salvador is a test case. I think we're going to see a lot of this going on in these countries that they're not doing so well economically. All right. Brazil is actually talking about this. Um, there's another Central or South American South American country. It starts with a B. Belize. Bolivia? No, not Belize. Bolivia, I believe, has actually started talking about this. There's about six different countries right now that are discussing. Maybe they don't make it legal tender, but making it a very high value and, and implementing programs like this. Because they're seeing what's going on in El Salvador. That's, that's amazing. It, it's it's going to totally wipe out the Western Union industry. It's good. So that's $400 million, yeah. actually. And I promise you, if Western Union doesn't pivot, Western Union will be the next blockbuster. Right. And I'm that's not financial advice, but if you own Western Union stock, you might want <laughs> to think about now. that. Right? So, uh, okay, so I get that. I think that's really cool because... Uh, I think it's really cool that that they're given this opportunity and they don't have to go somewhere, fill out a form, right. pay a big amount of money, right. and then the person on the receiving end right. has to go somewhere to get it, and maybe it hasn't come in yet. And it's, it's funny like because I wired money right. for yeah. a transaction not too long ago, and it was oh, it's, it's like infuriating. Yeah, I hate it. 
Because they're like, no, you didn't give us that number oh, correctly. let's show you your ID and let's, you know, it's like, hello, I've been banking here for I don't know how long since I was 12 years old. And, you know, it's like, I'm a, well, I don't want to say I'm a criminal, but I mean, it's, it's, it's way overboard. Right. Like, why would I pretend to be someone else right. when I'm bringing you <laughs> I'm literally a large just, amount of money? Yeah. Um, so I think that's cool. But I know that you talk about not, we're not in this, we're, we're in this for the long haul. Right. We're in this for long-term wealth for our kids right. and their kids. That's kind of the whole point of the podcast. Right. So my, my thought is, my, my question is, mm-hmm. for those people that are using it, this way, mm-hmm. the unbanked, mm-hmm. they're they're subject to the highs and lows mm-hmm. of. You're correct. You know what life. happened in El Salvador? They bought their first block of Bitcoin. Uh, it must have been either in early May or late April. I don't recall exactly. And the price dumped right after that. Right. And it made a bunch of people very mad. Right. They're no longer mad. Well, they're not because they the price sold. has doubled. Right. Unless they sold. Okay. So. The thing is, and you're right. So how do you so go people, about using it as a currency right. every day? I, you're right. With the highs and Here's how I like would that. handle it. If I were actually going to use it as a currency, which currently I don't. Right. Uh, if, I guess you just do it immediately. As, as soon as you get it from them. Right. So I would have two different allocations. I'm going to have my savings and I'm going to have my, um, I need to, this is my spending money, so to speak. And those two numbers, I would have much smaller amount in my spending. Because of these volatile fluctuations, I'm going to keep as much as I can. Because if you just zoom out, just zoom out, look at something like Ethereum, look at something like Bitcoin, um, the long-term market, it's it's crazy. It's um, 10 years, Bitcoin, actually what, 09, uh, 19, 11, almost 12 years, something like that. Where it came from, it was pennies. It was nothing, less than a penny. And and there's no, we don't know where it's going. People make speculations all the time, but it's not going to zero. And we may never see $30,000 again, like what happened back in May. You know, if you can hold it for even a year or two, it's, you will be better off for it. It is a long-term play. It's not, unless you're day trading or short-term trading, it is a long-term play, though. Like long-term meaning? Well, five years. Right. At least. Okay, so so let's let's go back. I feel like we got off track a little bit there. Um, the disadvantages mm-hmm. of crypto. If, if we have a teenager that's right. like, this sounds good. I, I have a few, do- uh, you know, I have a summer job, right. and I would like to put a little bit away. Right. Uh, maybe I, I can use it for a house in 10 mm-hmm. years or my long-term retirement or something right. like that. What what are the things they should keep in mind? Right. That's a great question. Um, so, again, going back to the Wild West analogy, you know, we there's a lot of stuff going on. If you're using a centralized exchange um, you and you have a decent amount of money, you don't want to have it all in one exchange for one thing. Again, like the Mt. Gox thing I was talking about, the exchange got hacked. It does happen. Coinbase, for example, is one of the most common, it's one of the largest known exchanges these days. They're in a lot better shape than Mt. Mt. Gox was, okay? Um, if they actually had an issue, I think they would be able to handle it. 
But regardless, let's say I had, I don't know, $10,000. I wouldn't put that all on one exchange. I'd put some on crypto. Uh, I would put some on Coinbase. I might put some on Kraken, for example. That way, if there is an event and it, maybe my money's tied up for two months or six months, at least I have some of it, right? Um, another thing, and we do not have time to go into all this, but you can actually hold your money yourself. It's kind of like I've got the bank where I go put my money in, and that's what you can think of a centralized exchange like. Or I can have a safe at home, and I can put my money in there, and I lock the door, and I have the keys. I know how to get into it. And with the point being, you are responsible for it yourself, right. which is critical. But you can have, they call them hardware wallets. You can have a software wallet. It's just a program that runs on your computer. But you can hold that money yourself versus having somebody else manage it for you. Now, again, I'm going to stress this. You are responsible for your money. But that's not a bad thing. Right. It's a blessing and a curse. Yes. So I would, I would, I would diversify my coins as I was looking out. I wouldn't put everything... If you started with one coin, it would be Bitcoin. It would not be Shiba Inu or whatever the meme coin is. Buy some, I don't care. Just don't bet the farm on it because there's no reason to believe. I actually never even finished this. When the when the downturn finished in 2018 and we came back up in 2020, a lot of these coins never came back. Coins that you know, they just, they're still way down there and, and they're worthless. I'm afraid that with Shiba Inu or whatever, this is what's going to happen. People are going to get disinterested. A crash is going to happen or the bear market is going to happen really. And they'll just never come back. Bitcoin, Ethereum, ADA, some of these other projects that are actually out doing things and perform, they're, they're, they're filling a purpose. They will be around. So, so I so I guess to wrap it up, I feel like this is definitely something we, as parents and teens, need to educate ourselves about. Right. Um, and it's really more than just one podcast. Yeah, worth. we need to. This is something that this we should just, probably be talking about quarterly or something. Well, you can go listen to Keith's podcast. I talk about it almost every week if you want to. So. And I do come from a, I'm, I'm coming from a perspective of, there's lots of people out there telling people how to trade or, or whatever, pumping whatever the coin is of the day. We're very early in this. And I do want to make this point to finish things up. You can think of where we're at right now in crypto. People, people are like, crypto has been around for 10 years. But we are early. It is not too late. We are at the point of the internet in 1994, right before it got commercialized. Right. It's like... Um, and it exploded. It's like, like personal computers. Nobody had personal computers. For a long time. And then, like, the internet was invented by Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to say that. Um, and then the internet came about. Right. And then it, it happened very quickly. Right. Once it right. took off. And we're uh, we're approaching that point, but we're not even we're not there yet. And but we we're might, not saying throw all caution to the wind no, and go in definitely full not. force either. We're just saying take the time to educate yourself. Don't run. Don't be afraid. I I know that for me, like the older I get, the more I become resistant to that's tech. natural. Sure. 
uh, do you think I'm resistant to that? I'm always like, I can't even figure out the TV, people. Like, <laughs> I don't watch TV, because, and part of the reason is I can never figure out <laughs> get the darn thing on. Like, all the different remotes. and So, be aware that we have that tendency as adults. And just, like, say, hey, I'm just going to learn a little bit today about crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe... Next week, maybe I will open up an account with a, what do you call them? The com- the, an the exchange. exchange, like Coinbase mm-hmm. or Kraken. I just love to say Kraken. Release Kraken. I actually have some stuff on Kraken now. I've been a, a member of theirs for a while. I do love the name. It's like um, awesome. Because I, I do think this is going to be around for a long time. I feel like it's going to revolutionize. Right the way we do business because mm-hmm. I mean the pandemic has shown us a lot of things that we can do right. like we don't have to go to work every day we could zoom in mm-hmm. like we don't have to have all these big meetings I, I think it's helped people shift and realize that there are many ways to the path you need to get to right. sometimes whether that be like you know like oh I don't have to pay wire fees to send somebody money or like Venmo. That Venmo, I love Venmo, but it took me a while to get on right. Venmo. And I'm like, Ooh, I can put a little icon thing here and it goes along with whatever I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm at that age where not much, it, just, <laughs> it doesn't take much to make me happy. Um, but like, I mean, there's so many things in our lives that we are using now that when we were teenagers, none of it was right. around. Like... I'm looking around the room, you know, like a lot of these things in this room, like we never would have had a podcast, you know, the capability of right. sitting in your house. We would, we would have had to have thousands of dollars right. of recording equipment. Mm-hmm. And it would phone. not have been easy for people to listen to it yeah. either. And that's, and that's actually, that's part of this. We're not at the point where crypto is integrated into everything, but it's coming. MasterCard just said like a week ago, you're going to be able to deal with basically deal with crypto through all of our systems in the very near future and right. that's going to be that's that's a revolutionary thing these changes are coming whether we like it or not you need to learn about it and you you can benefit from it especially if you're a younger person right if you're early adopt earlier adopter and you start investing in the currency do not be scared because Bitcoin's at 64000 or whatever it's at. Bitcoin has a long way to go. And Bitcoin's not the only thing out there. Right. right? So, to wrap this up again, how many times have we said that? Like I four times. <laughs> <laughs> if you want more crypto info, check out Keith's podcast. I listen to it, though he does not know I listen to it. Because do you know how odd it is to listen to a podcast... If the person is standing in front of you and it's their podcast, it's just weird. It would be weird, yes. And he doesn't even like to hear his own voice. No, I hate listening to myself. So I don't listen to it in front of him. So I'm like a closet. <laughs> I'm a closet listener. <laughs> That's Sounds funny. bad. But there is lots of, uh, of good info on there. Yeah. Thank and, you. Um, that means a lot, actually. See, he's been resentful because he thought I didn't care about his podcast. I wasn't resentful. <laughs> I've probably listened to 10 of them. You're almost caught up? Yeah.
Where was I going? Okay, so... Um, there's a lot to explore. Yeah, and there's no way we can cover it in one podcast. And we may have overwhelmed you, probably did, but just just go out there and seek to educate yourself and just learn a little bit. And I think that... Did you learn anything today, Jenna? Yes, I did. Do you think it's interesting? What, what are your thoughts? Um, well, it's kind of interesting how, like, it was nothing. Like, we didn't used to have it, and now it's this big ordeal that, like, could possibly be very important in our lives if we don't have it. So, that's cool. It's kind of like having children. One, one minute they're not there. And the next minute, they're there. I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. Anything else? Um, no. I think that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week. Hey, if you like our podcast, please leave us a review. If you don't know how to do that, if you subscribe, and then you just scroll down on your phone past the episodes, and you'll see ratings and reviews. You can tap on the stars... And then just past that, you'll see uh, write a review. And that would really help us out because the more reviews we have, the more visible our show is and the easier it is for people to find us. Thanks and have a great week.